looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. up buddy what's up mark i just like i just like being around you i just saw a friend of mine that has been a realtor for a long time um you know bob eisenlauer i do know bobby bobby uh and i grew up together in good guy i don't know him well but done done some deals really good guy he uh he was at Wasker. I was uh, there dropping off earnest money and picking up some proceeds for a seller for that reed peterson had uh had closed a deal on. Another charter house closing. And another charter house closing. Cha-ching! <laughs> Saving money. Absolutely. Um, and I saw Bobby, and he, he saw me at the elevator. He's like, Ross, you're killing it, man. Keep it up, dude. Thanks, Bobby. I'm trying, man. I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Did you hear the news about uh, Rush Limbaugh? We're recording this on Thursday. He what? Passed away, was it yesterday, last night, yesterday? Yeah, he went up to that big old, big old, uh, what big I was going to say, studio, studio. Studio in the sky. Studio in the sky, <laughs> yeah. Did this you is, listen to Rush? This is where people that are listening to our show are like, oh shit, where are they going with this Oh one? boy. We've got a few. Oh. I think, it, it, I it, hey, we, we don't talk a lot of politics on this show. We, we bring stuff up from time to time. It's not a political show. But I think people that have listened to us for years, in some case, probably understand what side of the aisle we we tend to sit on. And I think uh, we, yeah, we're we're both on. The we got right. a few. We got a few listeners out there that would uh, probably be anti-rush. Oh, I think so, and that's. I'm glad that those guys listen because I do see some of our uh, the tweets that we get that come from guys that probably don't agree with us politically. I would say if we were on the if we were putting our dots on the wall, yours is a little bit further right than mine. Mine's a lot more closer to center. Um, but Rush was a, a huge impact in my life, man. Not, I mean, huge impact because I before I was in radio, my dad had a construction company, and we would work, you know, finishing basements, laying tile, pouring concrete, doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, my dad was a politically minded guy, very much middle of the road. He actually was a Democrat when he ran for county supervisor, and uh, but he was you know interim mayor of the, of our little town, and he was on the city council and all sorts of stuff. So politics was a part of our conversations all the time. When he was in the city council, we'd go to the city hall meetings and stuff like that. Um, Rush would be on in the background of those. A lot of times, my dad was arguing with Rush or yelling at him, but he was always kind of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the middle of the day, and that's the, I, where I learned who Jan Michelson was. So we'd start our day at 9 a.m. He'd listen to radio, listen to music until 9. We'd turn on Jan. We'd usually listen to that hour and a half of the big show. Yeah. And then we'd listen to Rush Limbaugh until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I learned a lot from listening to Rush, not just political viewpoints and things like that, but like radio things that I ended up using later on. And How to do good radio. It was just, it was such an honor then later to go work at WHO yeah. and with Jan and, 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 and Rush saved that industry, man. Talk radio was dying or dead. And this guy came along and in a way, a very, a very relevant conversation to today is Rush was like an alternative media. You had CNN. Well, it was the big national media at the time. Mm-hmm. It was CNN. Because Rush has been on, what, 30-plus years? He started in mid-'80s. So I remember um, 
not actively listening to him as a child, but being in the car with my mom and my mom would listen to yeah. him. So the EIB network. You Excellence know, the, the in broadcasting. And, yeah, the uh, the golden microphone. Talent on loan from God. Between my uh, formerly nicotine-stained nicotine stained fingers, yeah. I hold these papers. You know, certain phrases. That what do you us uh, battling leftists with half my brain tied behind my back? What <laughs> is the... So in this conversation with somebody, who's the closest equivalent to rush on the left side of the aisle in radio in or ra- just in, in media radio. okay in radio there there none dude there they've tried it remember air america yeah so i think if you really were going to do it it would oh, dude this is a stretch okay steve inskeep who well, is I, the i don't even know that name you don't know that name because he is a newsman for npr okay he does a program called up first and again that's that's a stretch because it's not um, Steve Inskeep isn't uh, isn't outwardly a, a, a liberal. He does, mm-hmm. You know, they, he he kind of he certainly holds that veil of neutrality a lot better than than Rush ever did. Yeah, uh, who is out? You know, Rush would say, "Hey, I'm going to come at you from the right here, and I'm going to do it with a club." Yeah, and some of it's for shtick, and you had to understand that. But man, like uh, working at WHO and then at KXNO, that. That's that is a building that Rush Limbaugh helped build certainly because that that helped WHO a ton through the eighties, and then the nineties that was kind of their identity, man. In the in the political landscape, do we overestimate or underestimate what Rush did to politics? Was he a kingmaker, so to speak, in your opinion? Uh, boy, Mark, that's weird because I was going to answer the first part of it that we underestimate him, but I think kingmaker is too strong. Okay, I I think that he. He did something for, uh, for the country that, again, like when he, when, he, when I say he was an alternative media, uh, he he was so influential in getting people to question what they were being fed. Okay, now that can be a good thing or a bad thing. I think you could argue that. And that's part of why Russia's death was so controversial because a lot of people were like, hey, screw this guy. Yeah. We're in, we fight a lot more right now as a country because of Rush. And I, that's, a, that's a hard point to argue. Rush was snotty. You know, he'd make fun of people. So he did a lot of things that I don't like. A lot of things yep. that you see Rachel Maddow or uh, even more like Samantha B. But Rush was the first John Stewart. Rush was the first John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, he made the news entertaining but he did it with by giving you the ammo he would he not he didn't come to the conversation with a club he came with multiple clubs and he handed them to you too right go out and talk to your liberal friends and tell them this remind them about this so anyway he i I just uh didn't uh, didn't he made me think a lot and i uh, i I got to the point after a couple years where i disagreed more with rush than i agreed with him were I was going to ask something about the Clinton era, but but I don't need to, I guess. Wow, it, it, it seems like that was a big era for him. Certainly, dude, Kulinski absolutely. Stuff all well, of that. He started in the mid '80s. You know, he's good friends with George Brett. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, Kansas City guy. Yep. Right. And he's and so he started in the mid '80s. Things grew. He got simulcasted, syndicated into different markets, and Des Moines was one of those that picked him up for that afternoon show. The '90s, everything exploded with political talk radio because of the Gulf War the Clintons coming into power and then the scandals that they, they yep. brought in with them. Yep. But if you look at, again, like if you look at where we are now with how divided we are, with how nasty political rhetoric is, Rush is one of the key points that you'd have in that in that conversation of how that started because, he, yeah, sometimes he didn't play fair, you know? Well, rich and powerful. They, don't, it, need, they don't need to. Is there an heir apparent to him? Ben Shapiro. Too divisive? I mean, he's really... I don't, I don't he know. He really is. I don't, I don't know if Rush was out there. I, I had not listened to Rush in a long, long time. But I don't know if Rush was willing to talk about some of the issues that Ben Shapiro is like transgendered people and stuff like that. I don't know if Rush spent a lot of time on those types of topics. Ben Shapiro is so... Obviously, if he's replacing a rush, I don't know that they care what the left thinks about that. 
but I think the left hates Ben Shapiro, but they probably hated Rush Limbaugh just as much. So it's not that he couldn't do it. I just don't know if he has that level of popularity. Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody does have the popularity just to step in and say, hey, I'm, I'm the new Rush. Let's go. I mean, I would think if there is one person, it's Shapiro. Shapiro, by the way, and you're the expert on this one, in my opinion, bad radio voice. Oh, he's got a really high bit twice, and he talks, and he goes super fast, and he talks like, yeah. way too fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- th- I'd agree. If you are looking at the traditional radio voice of having, like, baritone and yeah. inflection. The, I love Ben. I've listened to Ben for a long time. Uh, I'm a subscriber to his podcast. I don't agree with a lot of what he says, but he's he's smart. I hate the making fun of. I hate whenever he talks about Bernie Sanders, he's got to do that stupid Bernie voice. Yeah. And whenever he talks about Rachel Maddow or, you know, a, the litany of people that yeah. you can't, he can't just talk about them. They have to, you have to make fun of them. Mm-hmm. That would be my biggest holdup with putting him on, you know, like a WHO. <laughs> Again, like Rush was never going to try to bring people together. That wasn't, that wasn't the point of it. Ben Shapiro is never going to try to bring people together. It's not the point of it. So maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he is the guy. You know, there's a few of them out there right now. In, Mark, in that world, none it, of them are. Would not, it have been Glenn Beck at some point? Absolutely. Great. Yeah, absolutely. But not now. No. Too far? Went too far? You know, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to plead I felt like you went a little here. bit off the deep end. I Dude, think he had some personal I'll issues. I'll be honest. And, that when all of that apparently happened, and I'm, uh, yeah, I have you know this man. I really did stop paying attention for a long time. Yeah, just tuned out because I was so burnt out on politics. Um, and that was when when I kind of started to tune back in. Glenn Beck was like out of the picture; he was gone, and I didn't. I never really dove into why that happened or what happened or what he said that was was so crazy. I I don't ever remember there being like a big scandal with him. Yeah. And I don't remember there being a big backlash to the yeah. scandal. Yeah. So I don't either. I think it maybe it was a drip thing. Um, that he, just, he was always out on the edge. But he had a show on MSNBC. What, 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 is, that, is that right? I feel like that's right. To now he's on Blaze TV. I mean, he went from quote-unquote mainstream to not. So something happened. I know. If, I think he had some health problems. And I think I don't want to say the guy went crazy because he's doing the job now. But I think... I don't recall either. I think there were some, a I Wikipedia. Think there were, I, I, yeah, and I'm sure, again, when anybody goes out there and speaks for hours upon hours, week upon week, year upon year, they're going to say some stupid shit, man. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna, I mean, I, you, I've said things on the air that wake me up in the middle of the night, and I go, holy cow, I'm so glad. I can't glad. believe I said that. I can't believe that somebody hasn't found that audio from four years ago and ruined my life. Or this, what, is, you know. this is the perfect segue to our topic change, going into another hated figure, by the way. Uh, or by some, uh, Joe Buck. Did you see what the uh, latest tweets and scuttlebutt about Joe Buck was? I, I know nothing about this, so I'm I'm excited to learn now. You've piqued my interest. Well, I'm going to let you down because it's a story about absolutely nothing. But he was on uh, a podcast with Blank Mind right now. Totally uh, popular podcast. Might come back to me. Doesn't matter though. Just talking about what he does. And it came to light that he was telling a story about how in baseball days he would, I'm paraphrasing here, but get the runner to go get him, you know, the, the, the tallest beer that the stadium would offer. And he'd set it there in the, in the booth and occasionally sip it. He said he did it to remind himself it's just a game. You know, I'm having a good time, et cetera. And then in football, he partners with Troy Aikman, who's one of his great friends, and said Troy's too refined for beer, so it became some type of a whiskey drink or whatever. And, uh, you know, occasionally they'd sip it. So, of course, some of the people out there on your Twitters and maybe even the media, um, like if you if you look the story up, you'll find it very easily. It became about drinking in the booth. You know, of Joe, Joe Buck admits to drinking in the booth and Troy Aikman drinks in the booth. And that's some big thing. Just put in Joe Buck. I'm doing that right now as we talk about this. Man. And you'll, you'll see. No, no, sh- uh. no, no shortage of headlines. So, dude, here's the deal. So, so ultimately, again, I, like I said, to preface this, I think it's a non-story. Yeah. I mean, who gives a shit if some guys sipping a beer? It was tequila. This is a major problem. You, you yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. 
You totally buried the lead here, man. I'm like, did we not forget the uh, you know the legacy of broadcasters that have come before with the Harry Carries and stuff? Being half-cocked by the, uh, the the fifth inning, apparently. This is incredible. I told Colin Cowherd. Yeah, Cowherd. Oh, my podcast. gosh. So it's like... Dude, a, this, it, is, it, this is nuts. It, how many actual news sites have... have Like all of them. This is ridiculous. And, and, you, and you know what the latest is now? Maybe you're already up to date on this. In the last couple of hours, all of these... The next, the next chess move has been made... Joe Buck unhappy with clickbait response to Troy Aikman drinking story. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, this is culture, Ross. I, I, I don't know why we would expect anything less than what we're getting here. Dude, Newsweek posted a story. Fox Sports Joe Buck says he drank tequila in commentary booth before games. <laughs> I mean, Ross, you've done play-by-play. You're a play-by-play guy. Like, what, what the hell is this about? Dude. This is the, I was going to, I almost jumped in and interrupted you and said that there is an FCC thing about drinking on the air. And in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure it's an FCC violation to drink alcohol while on the air. Yeah. Um, Which the key thing there would be while on the air, right? Not Not at a commercial break, not at. Something else. Uh, yeah, there's all sorts. The, the, sure. Yeah, there's the legal language. I don't know exactly how it is. I think you're not supposed to be inebriated on the air. Is actually what the yeah. legal language is. Yeah. On on we'd have whiskey Wednesdays. We have uh, thirsty Thursdays down at the El I mean, you shop. guys like half your shows talking about beer, it's, dude. There there have been several shows where we are sipping on a beer or sipping on a whiskey, talking about the flavor fr- profile, where to get it, what it's like. Oh man, this is wonderful. Yeah. I ne- and and there have been times I've thought you know we, we kind of do the thing where it's like yeah we're not you know it's the theater of the mind thing you know yep um I don't think that's what this is this isn't this isn't pr- broadcast professionals saying hey wait a minute guys this is against the FCC regulations because ninety nine percent of broadcasters have done that exact same thing this is story creation out of nothing I, I, dude. Out of, out of nothing. Hey, at least Newsweek didn't write another article about that exciting Mario Kart matchup that Joe <laughs> Biden had with his granddaughter. Oh, my God. I mean, like, this is just society, though. And you could say slow news day. You know, we don't have Trump anymore. What the hell are we going to report on? I think on, that man? is a big part of it right there. Joe brother. Buck. Joe Buck drinking tequila man, with I, Troy I, Aikman. I'll tell you that I, I've come around on Joe Buck a lot. I've never had a problem with the guy. Yeah, I've I never, under, I've never understood the problem. So explain to me what the problem was. Ego, what ego? Born on third, thought he hit a triple. Yeah. Um, Tim McCarver was a big, I, I think, a reason why I didn't like Joe Buck. I saw the two of them as inseparable, and I didn't like Tim McCarver. I never did. Yeah. Uh, I, I and I, and then after watching the thirty for thirty about Tim, Tim McCarver and Deion Sanders, yeah. I really don't like Tim McCarver. So you were a team Deion on that. You're was, a real man, Deion. Absolutely, I was a, a, a team team Deion there, and I think because of that, I just decided I didn't like Joe Buck. I was never a Cardinals fan. I see, and I, I should hate him because he does Cardinals, and I'm a Cubs fan. But even with that, I still I always don't, thought don't find him terrible. when I was a kid, I thought the best broadcaster on the planet was Bob Costas. Okay. Loved Bob Costas, and I would. I was I a fan. Wanted Bob Costas to do the World Series forever, and I wanted him to be able to do all those big games. And it seemed like Joe Buck took over. Yeah, just kind of somehow slid into that role because it was like, hey, yeah. you guys know my dad was a legend, right? Yeah. And I just never respected that. Now, in the last couple of years, yeah, something has changed because I do like the guy, and I, and I listen to him now much more as just. A guy calling games and doing his job. One of the things that really started to turn me was his thing on Brock Meyer. <laughs> you know, to be self-deprecating and to kind of show. Yeah. It what what that did was it took the guy that I thought Joe Buck was, and it characterized that that asked those personality traits to the point that I realized, oh, that's not him. Yeah. I've been projecting all of this stuff onto the guy, and none of that's really him. Well, I think so. eventually. Talent starts to shine through. You can say, okay, nepotism got him his start, but nepotism did not get him to start doing Super Bowls for Fox. You know, yeah. they, they obviously thought this guy's got some talent. He's pretty good at what he does. Um, we were talking about this the other day. We were talking about announcers that we liked and voices, et cetera. We were talking about Kevin Harlan 
who does uh who's he for you know the radio world oh, West, West, westwood, westwood one. one yes thank you thank you glad you said that because i but one of the ones we were talking about i'm not sure if you came down on <laughs> i think you i think we were talking about gus johnson were you talking about gus johnson yeah the, we did i think we did, were we talking i don't I, i've had a couple conversations <laughs> so about this gus was johnson. we were talking about gus johnson and and gus johnson's great in my opinion for spicing up a dull game I think he's fantastic at that, right? You got Valparaiso versus Loyal Chicago on a Tuesday night in a 15-point game, and Gus Johnson's still on the call, baby, you know? But you pointed out something that he does. You got to do your impersonation. Where, uh, that, yeah, so the, in the, the, the Haw- give, give us, give in, us, give us your Gus, your Gus Johnson hmm. calling the Hawks game. Uh, give us, give us the whole possession. You got a thirty-second shot clock. All right, uh, we got Bohannon bringing the ball up the court. No, we got Connor McCaffrey so, okay, bringing the ball up the there's, court. There's got to be some more context here because okay. Gus Johnson is good at doing play-by-play, and but I feel like that moment at the end of games that you're talking about, where it. Gus Johnson does do a wonderful job of like bringing that emotion. Does he only do what you're about to do in close games or is this all the time? No, no, no. It's only in close games and it's only in really important moments because uh, the, the thing that I've noticed that Gus Johnson does is he will basically scream the name of the guy that has the ball at that time. And, and, and there's no pass to shot is up. But I can I can imitate Gus Johnson and you will understand exactly what's Hold on, happening. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna okay. do it right, okay? So you're, you're, you're gonna start a thirty second shot. Yeah, clock you're a, you're a you're a play by play guy. Okay, you all right, have, I can do this. You have plenty yeah. of skills in play by play. I can do this absolutely. So I'm gonna give you a thirty second shot so, clock. I'll turn it around so you can see the shot clock. So just so people have an idea of what's happening visually. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, Wisconsin. Scene. Wisconsin scores with uh, uh, what thirty seconds to play. Yeah. And Connor McCaffrey is going to inbound the ball to Jordan Bohannon, and he's going to bring the ball up the court. You'll understand the rest of the possession just by Gus Johnson's call here, okay? All right, here we go. McCaffrey to Bohannon. Bohannon. Frederick. Back to Bohannon. Wieskamp. Garza. Wieskamp. Bohannon. Frederick. Bohannon! Garza! Good! That's it. That's There's Gus Johnson calling the last 30 seconds of the Hawks win over Wisconsin. And you all saw uh, the play. You know where the ball was. It was bouncing around the outside. They tried to get it in. Garza kicks it. They go. Obviously, Gus's system is like... They've been watching the whole game, and they do not know who these guys are yet. All right. I've, got, so I've, been, I've, I've only I've got 30 a, seconds to I've drive got, it home, man. I'm good. It's like he gets paid. His paycheck gets bigger when he throws names in. The more names you mention, Gus, the higher that paycheck goes. It's not like... I mean, there should be some like Bohannon dribbles around the key. Yeah, right. there's none of that. And you are again, it's not uh, ra- it's not radio, so he you are watching it. Yeah. Right? So there is that TV side of it, but... Yeah. Yeah, the, the the traditional things that you'll hear it are one that an announcer will let the crowd kind of tell the story, right? Sure. They'll just shut up and let yeah. the moment happen. Yeah. And then the other one is that uh, that the other side of Gus Johnson where you're at least getting analysis and yeah. you know, bounce pass into Garza, he kicks it back out onto the wing to Frederick. Yeah. They're going to try to get an inside to Garza to win this game like giving you more insight than just screaming the name of the guy that has the ball at you. So I encourage all of you. I assume, is there a website you can look up Gus Johnson and see what he's oh, doing next? I would assume that you can find... I have no idea, but looking up and, and tracking a tracking a Gus Johnson game <laughs> yeah, and, and, and watching him do this. The uh, So who do, who do you like that you think does fantastic on play-by-play? And I know you're not going to say Dolph. There's no way, dude. Like, no, come on. Okay, no, 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 come on. No, come on, dude. Dolph... For play-by-play, in my opinion, sucks. Okay, sucks. It, it it's it's constant, dude. It's not telling me. We're talking about radio now. Radio, yeah. right? Not telling me score for a long period of time. Not mentioning clock for a long period of time. Plays will happen, and he doesn't even tell you what happened until another thirty seconds 
later, a touchdown has been scored, and you don't know that a touchdown has been scored. His style is super mellow, and in my opinion, way, way, way right. too mellow. All right, defend him. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend Gary because I like Gary. I've got the, I've been lucky enough to get to know him. I wouldn't call him a friend by any stretch, but. I know Gary. I mean, when my phone rings, it says Gary Dolphin. And when I call him, he answers it. Hey, Ross, how you doing, buddy boy? Yep. Um, The Dolphin that I have got to know off the air is a way different guy than the Gary Dolphin that that I hear on the radio. In, in, In a good way. I mean, like, he's so real. He's a dude that will MF you. Okay, and he has. He has heard Travis and I say stuff on the air that he didn't like, and he calls me and says, calls you to the carpet. Yeah. All right, and I admire that. You know, yeah. I really admire that. Um, he's a, when I say smart guy, he's brilliant. I mean, I would, I would even border to say he might be in the genius category. Mm. He has an incredible retention. He's a Civil War savant. He and one of his best friends for years on whatever bye week the Hawks had, he would take that week and travel to a Civil War battle site mm. with his with his buddy. Yep. I think he's been, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of turn here a bit, but I think he's been to every certified Civil War battle site in in, in the States. My father would get along with him well. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a savant of, like, of weird information, okay? Yep. So that that's just de- uh, defending Gary Dolphin, the man. Now, the play-by-play stuff, I've always had a... Uh, these last several years, I've had a really weird perspective on Dolph's play-by-play because I'm in the studio watching Sound Off and listening to Gary. So you're, what we hear in our headphones in the studio is about as live to action as you are going to get anywhere on the planet. Why, Even, do, why do you do it that way? Uh, because... We hear the play, we're listening to it live because we're recording Gary's calls so we can cut up the highlights. Okay. So we're listening to the play live. There's about a six, seven second delay before it goes on television, mm-hmm. before you see the play. Yep. So you hear Gary call the play and then you see the play that Gary just called. That's a really tough perspective because radio is not meant to be. Visual. Uh, uh, it's not meant to be absorbed that way. Yeah. And so it's totally unfair to Gary, who is sitting how many hundred yards away from the actual play. He's watching the game through a pair of binoculars. He might have another person or persons there that are kind of helping him there with spotters, but your vision, think about that. Your vision of the field is this tiny dot that you're watching through. You've got a monitor there, but you're calling the game in real time yeah. and you're doing it that way. So when he calls the wrong running back or he calls it going to the wrong hole or he doesn't describe the play exactly the way that I would have described it or the way that you see it, you know, it's real easy to go, this guy sucks at his job. If you don't have that visual cue in front of you, yeah. you don't know. You're, you're, Mark, you're, you're right. Now, do, do you, so I'm a listener, I'm in my car, I turn on the game, We've got live game action, right? I listen for a solid two minutes, and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. That, to me as a listener, is just a technical problem, right? Score, quarter, reminders of those, what down it is, how many yards they need, what, whatever. That just seems like broadcasting 101 to inform people, and I think he fails miserably at that aspect of it. it uh, one of the th- again, man. Who am I to sit here and criticize Gary Dolphin? I, Ross I, I have. So uh, you are. I've called the, the highest level I've called is NAIA sporting events. Yeah. Okay, oh, I've done. I didn't ever call Drake. I've never. I never called a Drake football game. Yeah. Uh, th- when they were playing Grandview. Yeah. So I'm. I shouldn't. I, I'm not the one to say. Well, here's what good play-by-play guys do. But when I was doing basketball play-by-play, one of the things that I learned was. Time and score every time. Every time the ball comes across center court, look at the clock and tell people what you see. It because that will at least give you. You're going to give every bucket. Yep. 
and and you might have possessions where you forget to do that but that that is the, that was like the trigger for me was as the ball's coming up if you've got time if you're not on a fast break yep. as they cross half court that's a good time to go three point game with 11:59 to play um and just constant reminders like that uh, dude i'm with you i've had a really good i, I like to talk about andy woodley with you cuz i love andy he's an awesome dude and you remind me a lot of andy i had a really good former rival Oh, yeah, because you guys were track? Football. Football. Um, when I was calling Grandview Games, Andy and I would sometimes travel together. Andy would would not ride the bus uh, because he owned several businesses in town, so he usually wasn't getting on the bus, and he would kind of race up and join the game. And then I would ride home with Andy because it would be a direct shot to house rather than going to uh, taking the bus all the way. Yep. And I do remember a few times driving home, listening to Gary and Bobby, and Andy kind of, you know, being a basketball aficionado, pointing out, like, hey, we've been listening for three minutes under the score. Yeah. And I think, again, just to defend Gary, man, when you are in a broadcast, you've been there the whole time. You've been listening. You know the score. It, it's impossible to remove yourself from it for a second and go, oh, somebody might have just tuned in. Yeah. Somebody doesn't know that we're playing the Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington. Yeah. And because you're there and you've been there and you're and you're watching the score tick and it's just so easy to fall into this thing of like because I'm seeing it everybody else is seeing it. I think it's one of the reasons I like people like Pat Hughes so much. And it became a segment over time, but you're a Cubs guy. I love Pat Hughes. Pat Hughes and now Bensie's and here, like baby. Said, and they said it's literally a segment now, but Pat Hughes before the game like the game's about to start, right? He's in detail describing uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. Cubbies are in their home whites with the blue pinstripes. Yeah, it gets into great detail. Blue socks, yep. blah, 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 yep. blah. And now it's like, uniforms brought to you by whatever, because somebody picked on the fact that he did that, yep. but he did that naturally. It just seems like it'd be like we're in real estate, Ross. It'd be like, okay, you put that listing on, but I didn't get a seller's disclosure, right? There's just part of our jobs that we do that's like, that's part of the job, yep. right? And time and score seem like it's part of part the job. Part of the job, right. Right. You, Tell you people don't, what the hell choose, is going on. Shouldn't be able to choose not to do that. I don't, and again, I don't think it's a choice. I think it is, it's a thing where he's, it's impossible to remove yourself from your own reality. Yeah. And he, and, and you just think everybody else has kind of been here the whole time. They've been along for the ride. They were here when I signed on. They're going to be here when I sign off because I'm here when I sign on and when I sign off. And I don't need to keep beating the score down people's throat, heads because that's less so in football, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. this is not changing every single 30 seconds yeah. to a minute, right? All right, so you th this all started with who do I love in play-by-play. In -play. And I certainly don't hate Gary because I, I admire Gary greatly as a man. It's important when he listens to this episode that you think Yeah, that right, because I know Gary's been in a lot of... I don't of hate you either, Gary! I just tell me the time and score. That's it. Yeah, right. no, it, it, I, I, again, I have a hard time trying to listen to Gary uh, with an like with a critical ear yeah because I hear the guy that I have you're too close to. Ross yeah you're too uh, well, close th dude this is why this is why you should you know people in my position shouldn't be close with coaches because this really happens it's, it's hard for me to say yeah oh Gary Dolphin sucks at his job he shouldn't be doing his job because I I know what his job is I know it's really difficult and I know that he that's not necessarily who he is you know what I mean it's let me ask you another question. I don't know if we asked it, and I do want to get your picks on broadcasting. Kevin before. Harlan is my guy. Kevin Harlan. Yeah. I do like Kevin Harlan as well. Um, I don't know if we talked about this when it came out. This was a couple weeks ago with Fran McCaffrey being what I call man baby about this. And you're an Iowa guy. With uh, Mark Cameron. Correct, yeah. right? Another another very good friend of mine. What was your, What's your take on when he does that? And, and by that, I mean... Bullies. Be, belittles or bullies the, the yeah. reporter that's asked him the question that everybody wants to know right. and that's calling Fran out for doing something that probably was kind of dumb. And instead of saying, that's on me, that was a bad call, I should do better, I should whatever, he turns it around and, and makes the, the question asker feel stupid for asking it. You're a debater. Yeah. It's a, it's a tactic. No doubt. This is exactly what I said on, uh, on Fanatics. It's a tactic, and I, don't, I, I, I despise it because... It is like a bullying tactic. It is a... Um, comes off that way. Or it comes off as elitist. I'm a head coach. I make a lot of money. I don't have to put up with your crap. 
yeah, the man, what's going on there, Mark, is, uh, you know, coaches are weird, dude. They're, do you know why a coach does things the way he does it? Because he thinks it's the right way. Everything. Why, why does a coach have practice at 4 in the morning? Because he thinks that's going to make his team better. Why does a coach run zone defense? Because he thinks that's his best chance of winning. Yeah, I agree with you, but in this particular instance, we were talking about sitting your best player for 12 I, dude, minutes I, in the first I, half. And I, He's the only coach in the country that would have done that. Uh, so can he really yeah, be right? Okay, hold on. He's St- not Statistically speaking... He's one of the few, no doubt, that holds so tight to this thing. Correct. That used to be... He's from. Remember, he's a Philly guy. Old school. This is an old school Philly thing. This was... Uh, hey, what's up? How you doing? This is an old school Philly thing where you, this is the best way to win basketball games. Mark, it's a lot like when you're watching Kirk Ferentz and, you, you know, throw the football, throw the football. Why is he doing this? Because yeah. Kirk Ferentz thinks the best way to win a football game is this way. Well, why is he taking a knee with 30 seconds in the second quarter? Because Kirk Ferentz thinks this is the best way to football. Why does he take the ball to start the game? Because Kirk Ferentz thinks yeah. this is the best way to win the football He's game. He's not thinking, how do we lose today? Exactly. And and Fran McCaffrey is not thinking to himself, oh, man, I'm going to show these guys. Yeah. I'm going to principal them to the death. Yeah. I'm going to show them that I, I said that this was the best way to go, so darn it, I'm going to stick to it. No, he does it because he really believes his best chance of winning over the 40 minutes is to take his best player off the court for 12 of those minutes. I, we, I don't know how you can say that back to yourself and not go, oh, God, that sounds stupid. Yeah. Oh, my God, what did I do? I took the best player in the country off the court and we lost? Mm-hmm. Damn, that was dumb. And I need to – that you're right. What's the right response? It's, man, Mark, this is something I really got to reconsider. You know, this is – what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell one of my assistant coaches to – snap me out of this some days you know that there sometimes there's got to be discretion and you've got to look at it and say we could have won this basketball yeah. game today sitting him for this. 12 minutes is essentially fouling out our own guy right but mark fran mccaffrey like every other coach in the country like most coaches because i don't necessarily see steve prome yeah. this way yeah fran's a competitor mm-hmm. he's got fire okay he wants to grit his teeth and he wants to put his head down and he'll headbutt you in the chin if that's what he has to do to get to the basket. Yeah. He'd headbutt his kids in the chin. If yeah, it meant that's I what he had to do. Doubt it. To get to the basket and score and win. Don't doubt it. And so that fire and that intensity burns and it it doesn't go out easy. You don't you don't go to the press the post game press conference and all of a sudden you have this you know, mea culpa of oh man, boy, my fault. Sorry guys. Yeah. You go in there and go, damn it, my way to win this game didn't yeah. work, and, I, and I'm going to figure out how to make it work, you know? And so yeah. I think there's a lot going on. I really do. I think, I think Fran's a bit of a bully. I think he, he ha- that's a – that fight or flight thing that happens with people, once you, once you get pushed into the corner yeah. and you feel like it's time to go, how you react how in that moment How dare you says, question me? Yeah. Says a lot about that tactic that you first go to. Yeah. To attack the person that, uh, that that's come at you with again, like and you it, said, the question that everybody is and it is a has. personality thing because I am I am uh, number one on record for this. I think Prome needs to go. Yeah, I think his time is and, and I say that like you have been saying that very openly. And yes, yeah. but Prome I don't think does this tactic. I don't think I think Prome is nice. I think Prome is totally agree. Is more caring about others' feelings or yeah. whatever you want to say, right? Um, in your opinion, now this may sound crazy because Hawks are having a great year, but you hear this kind of thrown out by various entities on social media. Is Fran under any type of a hot seat thing because of what people call the Fran fade and not getting enough done in the NCAA tournament <laughs> attitude, all of it, right? Okay, so right now, no. But but what you're asking, I think the better question is like, let's can you see a scenario where? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can see a scenario where over these last couple of games, they'll play Wisconsin tonight, then they've got Penn State, and then it's either Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan, Ohio State, and then Wisconsin again. Four of those, four of five ranked opponents, yeah. two of those are in the top five. Mm-hmm. So let's say you really stub your toe. And you, I mean, you, winless. Worst, worst case scenario, well, worst case scenario would be winless, but I think yep. you're going to beat Penn State. You're going to reschedule Nebraska. You get it, but those aren't yep. wins that will matter. Yep. You lose to Wisconsin twice. You lose to Ohio State and Michigan. Then let's say you get to the Big Ten tournament because now you would not be in one of those bye situations and you lose to a, I'm just trying to maybe a be like a Michigan or State or, yeah, a Northwestern. Yeah. 
and now you stumble into the tournament as a seven, eight, yeah, and you get bounced in the first round, and then all, th- all of a sudden at the end of this year we're looking at a team that we thought was going to be a, it could have been a Final Four team at one point was certainly going to be an Elite Eight or Sweet Sixteen team, yep, and they got bounced in the first round and they ended with you know whatever that would be losing like eleven of thirteen or whatever the number would be. I guess if you beat Penn State and Nebraska, yep, whatever, losing nine of thirteen, what bad, <laughs> bad run yep. in the in the season. I don't, I don't even know, Mark, that that's enough to fire the guy. It's certainly enough to be hot seat. My my defense uh, to keep him, even in that worst case scenario, would be you would blow up this entire roster if you got rid of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not just losing Connor and Patrick, certainly. Yep. You're losing the guys that came to play with Connor and Patrick and for Fran. And I, I'm not saying that every kid would leave. I think that the Murray twins seem like there's a connection to Iowa there that is, is deeper than Fran. But Fran's one of the few guys that gave them a shot, I think too. So, stays. It's not, you know, seems to be a good fit for the program. And I, again, Iowa kid. So I think that you would say, had Fran, had this team just completely biffed all expectations, if this team had never stayed in the top 10 if this team hadn't rebounded here and won these last couple of games i think that you could make a lot stronger case for it that 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 they were so far from those expectations now we just laid out a worst case basically worst case scenario beating nebraska and ben state where he still doesn't lose his job and i don't think he would lose his job even in that nine of 13 bounced in the round of 64 i I still don't think he goes iowa has no history basically whatsoever of uh, quick triggers on fire no, coaches. Right, exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, so let's paint this a much more plausible scenario, that they win one of these games against Wisconsin. They beat Penn State. They beat Nebraska. Maybe they even get one of those games on the road against uh, Ohio State or Michigan. Now you're talking about a team that might be a 4-5 or five seed and has a, will be favored to get into the Sweet 16. Is going as a four seed would yep. be would be facing two teams that they probably have Vegas advantages over to be in the Sweet Sixteen, mm-hmm. and then that that does that change the conversation greatly? Like, does that make Fran, you know, Iowa's greatest coach of all time? No, it doesn't. No, do that, but uh, but I think that's a lot closer to what happens than Fran's on the hot seat in two months. Yeah, I mean, uh, if I had to guess, he's he's not going to be fired. It's just it's interesting debate, I guess. But the the, the more probable one is that Prom will. Yeah. Uh, here's your here's your chance to be, uh, Mister Sourced in, as we like to call it. Speculation only, guess only. Who's I was taking to get? I mean, the first name that pops up is obviously T.J. Otzelberger. Would you say you're like ninety? Five percent sure higher prom will be gone at this point. Where would you put your faith in this? They're going to finish I, I, two. I like, they're going to finish like, two and whatever okay, and gonna, winless in conference. All right, I'm going to push back on the word faith. Okay. What What's my confident? What would I say? What's the probability of yeah. Steve Prom being fired? Not nearly as high as what you mentioned there. Uh, I think you're probably a little over fifty percent right now. You think it's only that? I, Mark, hear because me out. Of, because of buyout, because of multiple things, man. Again, it's a soup. You got to throw a lot of ingredients. Right, tell in me your ingredients. Get there. I'm curious. First ingredient is crazy, blanking year. Yep. Duke sucks. North Carolina sucks. Kentucky sucks. Michigan State sucks. Michigan State sucks, and you're going to go in and fire your coach because none of these other great coaches could figure out how to maneuver through this crazy landscape. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 one. He's turned out NBA talent. Okay, he has he has taken guys and developed them much faster than ever anticipated, and turned into NBA talent. And that's some that means something. Okay, it doesn't mean wins on the on the tally, unfortunately. Yep. But but man, Mark, I don't even know that those are. That this is why I'm at like fifty five, sixty percent because I think he probably gets fired because it's just. It's almost too bad to even embarrassment. It factor. is man. It, Winless how in conference. You, Two wins. Jamie Pollard is a really smart guy in knowing that even when you aren't winning, you can sell something. 
Yeah. Which is Jamie Pollard, that an athletic director's job is sales. They got to sell hope. Help, Mark. Hope. That And that, for a long time, that was how they made money with football. Was Fan base is lost it in basketball, though. Dude. It, it, dude, check out Twitter the, when Iowa State's playing. One of the when great, they're playing, it's, dude. It, it's a ghost town. One of the great things about the 2020 and the pandemic and the lockdown is that you guys did not get to witness the death of Hilton Magic. Mm-hmm. Because it, that would be the case right now. Yeah. I know, and this this is it hurts to say and, I, and hurts to hear because I know we have a lot of Cyclone fans that love Hilton Coliseum. All those things that you guys used to say about Carver-Hawkeye Arena would be true, of, be Hilton true of Hilton right now. Yeah. Because apathy is set in. And that, so I, and a lot of people feel that Prome killed it. I do. By not understanding it, by calling timeouts at weird points, by not whatever. And right? I think that... Um, I think when you, you know, this is what this is the conversation Jamie Pollard's got to be having when he lays in bed at night. He's like, man, I how do I bounce this guy when all of these other things have happened in the world? Yeah, and and not and not only that, a year ago we had all these other guys. Two years ago we had all these dudes. But at the same time, and, and you're absolutely right, it is a weird year, right? But at the same time, you get a team like Baylor that's in the same conference that's rolling. That's undefeated. You got Gonzaga. That's undefeated. You got teams that are good this year too. So you can't look at it and say all the teams are bad yeah. this year. It's just across the board. It's bad. We're just historically terrible. I mean, it's one thing Ross to be like, wow, we don't win the close ones, man. We're so close. We suck. Yeah, but have only been in a couple we games. We suck. I mean, it's stuff like just stupid mistakes. And I was watching the Oklahoma State game the other day and little things like the announcer literally says during the game, Iowa State basically has no chance to get an offensive rebound because of how spread out they are on offense. I mean, we're one shot and done. And that shot is usually a three-pointer. People are like, what offense are we running out there? It seems like we're not running any offense it doesn't seem like you're getting any improvement it's just okay how much are we going to lose by today it's it's literally in my opinion the worst team i've ever seen at iowa state now people older than me might say oh you don't remember this team yeah. back then but i'm mean, talking about wayne morgan years man which are frowned upon in, in our program's history this is worse that's and, and again the the conversation that jamie pollard's got to be having is what hope do i sell where where is the hope? Is it is it in the roster? Is there somebody on this team that uh, that you can get Cyclone fans really excited about for the next three years? Is Xavier Foster that kid? And I don't know that like these are real questions because there's not an there's not an obvious answer to them. There is no uh, oh you haven't seen this Halliburton kid oh dude wait uh, wait yeah you, you're good. Oh, you you don't know about this Lindell, this kid from Canada. Oh, wait. There's none of that. Yeah. There's kid, there's guys, they got some good dudes, but it's gonna take some time. So like you ask if it happens, I do think that Otzelberger makes the most obvious choice. He is a guy that um has proven he can bring talented dudes to Ames, Iowa, convince them to come here and then and, and then help get the most out of them. He would understand the community. He's got a ton of business connections and so all the things that gets you would the need. Hilton magic aspect it, of it. It gets the that's a great point. What you've got to do to come back, and this is so because I don't think Steve Prom has done an awful job. So it's not like you're building from the Todd Licklider years, but in I a think way, he's regressed. I, I, there's no doubt that that the, that the program is in a worse spot now than it was. Yeah, there's no question about that. Two years ago, give any time frame. Yeah. It's in a worse spot. Um, I think TJ is a guy that actually kind of makes a splash. You know, when Fred left, I remember where I was. I remember I was at an East High Golf Classic Committee meeting over at Papa Kearns over on the east side. Mm -hmm. when And we were sitting there with Mike Zelinovich who, uh, and a few other people. And we were all wondering, they were asking me, you know, because, of course, I'm like you, I'm the connected guy. I'm the insider. Who are the other names? Do you remember who the other names were? Was Brad Underwood wasn't one of the names. No, I, don't, was, uh, I don't recall. I really don't. There were a couple names that were on that list, okay? And I had no freaking clue who Steve Prom was. Prom. Yeah. Who's this Steve Prom? Murray State. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, Murray State, of course. Yeah, John Morant, of course. Yeah. 
Uh, which I, of course, we all found out in the minutes after his name was announced. But I remember seeing that list of like that was floating around. Hey, it's down to these four or five guys standing at sitting at that meeting, talking with them. And none of us, nobody in that room was thought Steve Prom was going to be the guy because there was no splash. There was nothing. There was no sizzle to that hire. Yeah. Now, when it was announced and you found out who Steve Prohm was, it made all the sense in the world. You went, ah, look at that. This is the perfect fit. Of course, Jamie Pollard hired this guy because he's a really good guy with a really good resume. He's got a great eye for talent. He can get the best point guards in the world to go to Murray freaking State. Mm -hmm. He's going to kill it up here at Iowa State. And I would say in that vein, he did. He brought in the best point guards in the country, and he turned them into NBA talent guys. Yeah. Now... The problem with that was the, the the margin for error we learned was so small that you, that you miss on a couple of good recruits mm-hmm. and you, and and things go south really quickly. Yeah. You have a couple of guys that develop too fast and get out of the program before you ever anticipated you would have to fill those giant holes. You're toast. Yep. And and I think all of those things happened in these last couple of years. Lost out on some big recruits. Had dudes bounce out to go to to the NBA. Had some guys that didn't fill up, didn't live up to their end of the bargain. That didn't excel at all. You didn't really improve big men. You know what I mean? So there, there's all, there's again, it's the soup. There's all sorts of things that go into it. The magic equation, which I think is really, really tough to obviously figure out, and maybe they don't even target this at all, is you look at the difference between an Iowa State and an Iowa. And you can see right now, Iowa's better. Everybody knows that. And you look at the roster, and it's experienced, right? So I've had this debate with people. Like, you bring in a coach to Iowa State, what's, what's their job? And their job is multifaceted. But you said, what's their, what's their main job? And I would argue that their main job is to make the Iowa State Cyclones the best basketball team that they can be. And their job is to win games, right? An offshoot of that would be develop players so they can go on and have pro careers right but does it serve iowa state long term or any school to have one and done types where your team year after year after year suffers now some teams get away with that kentucky year after year is pretty good under that system duke has become obviously a a one and done factory in a lot of ways but you look at iowa Iowa's not a one and done school iowa is recruiting players so almost in a way as dumb as this sounds to say it out loud ross should we be looking for slightly worse <laughs> <Less> players? <laughs> I mean, honestly, should we be like, we, let's find guys that are obviously really good at basketball, but they're going to stick around for three or four years to get this thing going in the right direction. So we're going to have junior and senior teams okay. that are awesome. No, no, you don't do that. What, what, and again, what, what Steve Prohm has done is bring in the guys that he thinks are the best give him the best chance to win because at its core the you're right what's his job is to win games Kirk Ferentz job is not to get guys to the NFL his job is to win games now is there a correlation between the two the kind of there's some yep. whatever correlation causation however yep. you do yep. and and what's the best way to win games and to and to keep your job it's to have the best possible players if if Steve Prome can get those guys, can get those elite guys, you are an idiot to turn your back on them. You can't. In fact, that would probably cost you your job. If it were like, uh, hey, you know, uh, Joe Burrow wanted to play for Iowa State. Yeah. That's the type of stuff that people would re- people remember, yeah. right? Um, so if, if you get a guy that comes in and says, hey, I want to come here for one year, and, I'm, and I've got a chance to make this a spectacular season for you, but then I'm out. I got no connection to Ames. I mean, yeah, I'm meeting my dog that, but that's it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. Uh, you, you go, yep, absolutely, man. You're the best option for me to win games next year. Come on in. So, no, you don't go for, you don't go for cheaper guys. You don't go for the lesser talent. Iowa, in a way, got lucky. In a way, you know, it's kind of, Iowa doesn't get a chance to get those guys. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is not going to go play for Steve Prong or for, for uh, yeah. Fran McCaffrey. 
But I do think certain programs do try to target a certain type of player. Not like better, worse would be tough, but you know, one that jumps to mind is Virginia. The if you're, if you're going to Virginia, type. you better be a guy that plays defense. Yeah. You know, you're not going to play here. Right. You know, and it served them well. But that's a style, right? right? What's Iowa State's program? What's their style? They don't have one. Not right now. No. What was there? Well, they had one just a few years ago. They fun, had fun and gun. That's right. I was going to say run and gun, but you're right. Fun and gun. You know, and Hoiberg did that well. So let me throw one more name at you. We're going to get going here. Um, local name, of course. DeVries. Chance? Or no, to go to Iowa State. Oh, dude. Certainly chance. Three yeah. straight 21 seasons. Is that the? Certainly chance. Um, I don't. I, I would think that Otzelberger would be uh, the, the, the first choice of those two just because of his connection back to Iowa State, his connection with Jamie Pollard. You know, DeVries, I think, is more of an Iowa guy think that DeVries is, if he's going to wait for one of Waiting. these jobs, he's going to wait for the Iowa guy. I don't know that. I'm just guessing because of his brother, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he grew up a hell of a lot closer to Ames, didn't he? I, from, I, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with it. But at the same time, it's like you're coaching at Drake and you get a chance to coach it in the Big Ten or the Big 12, the highest level of college basketball. I don't know that you're going to turn it down to wait for the other wait school. Wait for the other, up. right. Yeah, which might never happen. To get your big shot. Yeah, right. right. That's... That's a very good point. My back. I was still wants me. I'm there. Yeah, I'm state coach has. I know that it's a couple of 20 win seasons. And and by the way, when you bring on Devries, you're going to bring his son, who's one of the best recruits in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mark, that's the type of splash thing that I'm talking about. That's the type of hope thing that do I'm you talking think, about. Do you think you would accomplish that? Big enough name. I mean, obviously, local local basketball uh, fans already know him. Not big enough. Do you think you would accomplish what? The splash. Jamie announces we fired Pollard and DeVries is our next coach. We we fired uh, Prom, you mean? Prom, yeah, can't fire himself. Um, I think he and TJ are probably very similar in that splash that we're talking about. Yeah. Can you come up with any names that would be bigger? I mean, like, like it, let's say a guy called us the other day. Hey, you know, uh, Rick Patino's coaching Iona. <laughs> well, let's go get Rick. Yeah, that's, that's not happening. J- Jamie Paul is not hiring Rick Patino, and I'm not. But but let's just use that as an example. Yeah, is that a bigger splash in Ames, Iowa, than Devries or Otzelberger? It's a bigger splash nationally as a story for sure. So but, what, but what we're talking about is, is uh, you, I, think, what, I think that would fire up the fan. Here's base. what Jamie Pollard's hoping for when they make that announcement. Here's what he needs to hope for. The phone starts to ring and tickets start to sell. Okay? Who does that? Yep. And I agree with that. I was reading an article the other day, by the way, where some names were mentioned. I don't even know the names. Irrelevant. But uh, one one of the, uh, well, a couple things. One of the top names, top two names on the list was the top assistant at Gonzaga. Played at Gonzaga. Been there forever. Maybe the next in waiting after Mark Few. But Mark Few's 58 years old. He could be there a long time. 20 years left. So um, that was one top assistant at Baylor was mentioned. Um, those guys get hired that are probably going to be really, really great basketball coaches and probably know what they're doing and recruiting and all of that. Do those guys make a splash? My opinion, no. No. Because no. nobody knows their name. No, you have to be. If, if your position is your actual describer, if somebody has to say to me, hey, they just hired the assistant coach from Gonzaga, Bill Smith. Uh, uh, You're like, I, well, I'm hoping he's going to be good. He better, he better be. I, I don't mean, know anything about him. But, it, but it, like, uh, Mark, I don't know what you do here. I, I think that it's it's probably TJ. Um, if Jamie does pull the trigger, and again, I'm not I'm not completely sold that it's something that happens because. You've got all sorts of financial restraints. You, you, I think you could make the phone calls and get the millions to get rid of. I think so, too. I don't know that you're going to make the additional phone calls to get the millions to get TJ out of UNLV. DeVries apparently just signed a new contract with Drake. Uh, we you can't be the, making that much, though. Uh, we, don't get the, we don't get the details. It's not public. All right. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be near what Iowa State's going to be paying him. Yeah. Not near it. 
Oh man, a lot of stuff to think about. I don't. I, I'm on record. Prom's toast. It's just, it, there's, just a, there, there's a point at which it's so bad. Mark, I don't know how you. I don't know what next year's ticket sales look like with him there. I'll t- I'll say that. I don't know. Down. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that's what oh, it looks like. Oh man. Down. Apathy is probably the worst thing a fan base can have, and, and it's full of it yeah. right now. Full of it. it. It's it's almost hard to believe. Most people, I, I talked to people that are Iowa State fans the other day. They had no idea Iowa State was playing at 3 o'clock against Oklahoma State the other day. No clue. In a normal season, everyone's doing that, and they're calling their friends and saying, let's go grab let's a beer together. right? And watch right, this thing. Absolutely right. Nobody cared yep. about that thing. So the time has come. So st- sorry, Steve. How many houses did you sell last year? One million. That's a lot. I know it's hard work. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. A lot. Thirty. Fancy says thirty. Uh, sold. I don't know. It was sold. When I hear sold, I think buy and sell. Et oh, okay. Okay. I did about twenty-three million in volume. If that helps you, twenty-three million of real estate sales last year, roughly. I'd say that's real good, man. It's top one percent, Ross. Top one percent, yeah, locally for Holy sure. Cow, for sure. Look at you, you one percenter. Am I good at what I do, Ross? Is that your question? Are you interviewing me now? I was just curious. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, but so do you. You're learning. I'm learning quick, ain't I, man? You're churning and burning I'm stuff. Trying, I keep man. seeing sold signs. I keep seeing you pissing people off. I'm getting after those, it, brother. Those, those, <laughs> I saved them thousands. I mean, let's just face facts. You're a dickhead, dude. You're out there saving Iowa families thousands of dollars. Here's become my new favorite thing that I've heard, and it, it happens a lot on my own radio station where it's like, hey, call this particular realtor, and here's the amazing things that they're going to do for you. Yeah. They are going to help you get a lender. <gasps> they are going to help you find a home inspector. Shut up. They are going to book the pest inspections oh my for God. you. Honey, get on the phone and call them. And I hear this, and I'm like, man, this would be like if Walmart came on and was like, we've got a roof. I We're know. better than Target because we've got four walls. When you shop in our store, <laughs> the lights will be on. <laughs> yeah. it's Oh, what you're telling me is that they're advertising what, what real every agent other does. agent does yes. because, because wait, wait for it. There's nothing special about There's what no they do. There's no difference about yes. what they <laughs> Mark, do. That's so funny. That's exactly Holy what I was crap. I'm listening to these all day, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's that, almost that, like we're actually different like in some one way. Of the, one of the... How? Uh, one of the services that we provide for you at uh, X Real Estate Company, when you find the home of your dreams, we'll help write the offer. Yes, we will. We, will, we aren't going to hand the paperwork over to you like other real estate agents. Like no other real estate yeah, agents right, do. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's... Uh, We're going to go with you and open the door for you. We'll use our fancy lockbox operation to get you access to the home. When you call my phone, there's an 80% chance I'll pick up. <laughs> For me, it's slightly less than that. But just text me. And Much then, less for Mark. And then I'll, and hey, then I'll the do guy's it. doing $140 billion in sales. And then I'll he, do he it. He ain't got time for you. Call so Ross. Ross, I think your point is that uh, your point is that we should actually be running ads, uh, telling people that there's an actual difference about what we do. I think that's a good idea. And just tell people, hey, and, by and, the way. Hey, and here's the beauty of it. It's an actual important difference. Yeah, right. Because it puts thousands of extra dollars in your pocket. Right. It's crazy. It's almost like it's too good to be true, but it isn't. I'm begging you to start some ads. You're not helping me out. Uh, Do we need to call out certain people on air yeah, right now not, to get not, things done? We're not doing that. Oh, I know a lot of our listeners, by the way, listen to your show uh, because it's so damn good, obviously. Um, and I think those people want to start hearing some Ross Peterson ads. I, I'm down with that. On yeah. the show. I'm down with that. You on, know? on KXNO throughout. I think it might as well air on other people's shows. You know what our first one's going to be, Ross, when we start writing these scripts for you? Is it going to be me saying, I promise our, our agency has a door. Yeah. Oh, we've got electricity, too. I think, no, the, the premise, though, that we've talked about, Ross, because you're so good at them, it's just you doing some live reads yeah. about yourself, about us. And I don't know. That might be frowned upon because there's other advertisers at your station, you know, that might not love it. But I think, uh, you know, indirectly. Talking about what those ads are saying is a good move. Oh, yeah. You ever hear those radio ads where they talk about things that are just normal that we all do? Let's talk about some real differences. Would you Would you go to a car wash if it said, you should come to our car wash? We use water. 
Yeah. Have you asked yourself what those other agencies are using? <laughs> is it really water? Why does it look so brown? Maybe it's coffee. You should think about these things. Our, luckily, our car wash charges $40 more. Yes. It's, uh, the, the ads, Ross, because of what we do, write themselves. They really do. Buddy. Mark, you're absolutely right. Hey, and man. by the way, we should remind people of this because, uh, you know, we got to pay the bills around here, and this is how we do it. Uh, March is right around the corner, and March is the season where a lot of people start hitting the market. Uh, people are doing it now, yeah. but those homes are getting snapped up. It's the, crazy. The inventory is ridiculously fun. low. If you're a seller and you're thinking about selling, man, call me, call Ross, call Bensey, call John, call Reed, call KK, call Taylor, call Jeff, call Terrell, uh, Terrell, call, I don't care. Just call one of us. Let us save you some money. Bunch that, of money. That's the pitch. Real deal. We're going to sell your house. Yep. You're going to like the process. You're going to save thousands of dollars compared to a 6 or 7% listing. And you're going to say at the end, oh, yeah, that was worth it. We're that's not, what we do again and again and again. We're not going to say, all right, well, good luck. Yeah. Hope you can find an inspector. We, we laid the sign in your driveway. Can you place that in the yard and, uh, and uh, get ready to host those showings because they're coming over. You're going to need to do the guided tour. No, we're full service. We'll handle all that stuff for you. All right, Ross, we're out of here. Call Charter House. We can get your house sold. Do it. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charter House Real Estate we have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support, and we will talk to you next week.